Matthew chapter uh, 14, please. Matthew chapter 14. I want to preach a message. I, I preached for our church just to be a blessing. Um, we, I switched preaching formats from uh, topical to more expository. And so we had just finished the book of Joshua. And um, I wanted to preach on prayer a little bit. And so, brother, I'm going to do this. My kids are like, Dad, are you going to take off your shoes? I am. And I just, I feel more comfortable. Amen. Um, we, I had been preaching on just, just different things, and, and I was praying for our church, and I was praying for our country, and it's, I was praying for Christians. And when the COVID stuff started, what I saw, it kind of shocked me more than anything but than, than not knowing this, what the sickness and what was going to happen. Was it going to be like the Black Plague, or is it just going to be this, another thing that's just happening? And nobody really knew what was going on. But what I saw from God's people was more shocking and more telling of where we're at. At that time, we were in Joshua, and this message that consistently kept coming up, where the Lord kept going to Joshua, he says, be not afraid, I'm with you. And, I, and, and it was interesting, as I was preaching there, we were also in Romans chapter number 8, where God says nothing shall separate us from the love of God, from the love of Christ, uh, God and Christ Jesus. And so it's just this thing of fear started coming upon his people. And we seemed like we got through it, but then the election happened. And I don't care where you stand, it was just this thing came upon us. And there's something about us as we start looking at all our circumstances, we start looking at all the problems that's in our life, and then we start to make foolish decisions. Well, if this happens, then I'm doing that. I'm tired of hearing Christians for that live in California saying, well, I'm going to go to another state. If God leads you, perfect. But what does that show us about our faith? What does that say about who we really trust in? Oh, yeah. If God's good in the darkness, oh. God's good in the light. Amen. And if it's great, if God is great all the time, oh, then he's great even when I'm fearful. And so tonight I want to take you through uh, this passage. And, and I'm just going to take it verse by verse. We'll look at a couple passages. Uh, um, if you don't have a Bible, you want to share your Bible, because we will be in the Scripture uh, quite a bit tonight, as I know you are. But Matthew chapter number 14, verse number 22, please. Matthew chapter 14, verse number 22. And uh, amen. Matthew chapter 14, verse number 22. Once again, thank you for uh, being here tonight. And I, um, it's a blessing to be asked to preach here. And I uh, appreciate it. We love you, folks. And uh, we're thankful for what God's doing here. By the way, stay here. Amen? Okay. Matthew chapter 14, verse number 22. The Bible says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Let's pray and we'll jump right in. Father, I love you. I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for this church. And I also thank you for those that are listening online. I do pray this evening that you'd use me and that you would guide the message your way and that your people would hear from you tonight and that you would provoke in us a change or a decision. Lord, you know all of our hearts. You know those secret places, and I pray that you speak to those secret places tonight. And uh, Father, I pray that you would get me out of the way and you would just preach in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Verse number 22, we find that the Lord constrained his disciples that they would go in, into the ship and to go before him on the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And so while they were on this, they, they, we were going to find out that everything that happens, 
leading from this place, it was God's will for them to happen. Let's understand one thing as we start. What's about to happen was God's will. God sent them away. It was God's will for him to lead them this way. This was his will for them. In verse number two, we find, sorry, verse number 23, we find the Bible says, and when they had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when evening was come, he was there alone. The Lord was about his business. He needed to get alone with his father. And while he's alone with his father, his disciples are on the sea, going to the other side. Verse number 24, we find something happens. The Bible says, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. In verse, uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 48, we find the Bible says, And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed them by. So we find that this ship that the Lord sent them on, by the way, once again, it was his will for them. The ship is in the sea, the winds are blowing, and it's being tossed with the waves. Now, this isn't the first time that this type of activity has happened. Let's go ahead and look at something real quick, because this tells a larger picture. Um, Matthew chapter 8, please. Matthew chapter number 8. Matthew chapter number 8, verse number 23. Matthew 8, 23. By the way, this passage that we're both passages we're looking at tonight is very familiar to us. Verse number 23, it says, And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. Now, this time the Lord is in the ship with them. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves, but he was asleep. The, the ship is being tossed back and forth, and the Lord is sleeping. You know, you ever been on a plane where there's turbulence? Uh, if, when you just got on a plane, look, I've taken the international trips, like about 32 hours. There's about a time where you get numb, where the turbulence kind of just rocks you to sleep. I mean, everybody else is screaming. The ladies are screaming, my baby. And it's just, everybody's... But you just kind of find a little bit, it's, it's soothing. Here we find the Lord falling asleep and his disciples are freaking out. Verse number 25. And the disciples came to him and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, why are you fearful, O you little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea and there was great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this that the, even the winds and the, and, and the sea obey him? Now, if we turn back to Matthew chapter number 14, the only difference is the Lord is not with them. And I wonder if in their mind they're thinking, if the Lord was with us, he could just rebuke the winds and the sea right, right now. It was his will that they were on that ship, Matthew chapter 14. They had learned already. If they're with Christ, they don't need to worry because he can... Control the winds and the waves. Lord, if you're just with me. There's times on our journey of faith where we go through something with the Lord and we know tribulation work with patience, patience experience, and experience hope. And we've gone through something with the Lord and we know, you know what? I went through the Lord that it's fine. But then he brings you through something else. And in our minds, we're almost, Lord, if you're with me, I know I can, Lord, I don't sense your presence. This, the difference was between Matthew chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 14 is that the Lord was not with them this time. But that doesn't mean he wasn't watching them. Let's go ahead and look at verse number 25, please. So we have his will, now we have his watch. And the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto, unto them walking on the sea. 
Now, verse number, Mark chapter 6, verse 48, we find that the Bible says, he saw them toiling and rowing. So the Lord sees what's going on. And in verse number 26, it says that when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is the Spirit, and they cried out for fear. And here they are, the wind is blowing everything, and they see some man walking on the water, and they don't think it's Christ, they think it's a ghost. And it even says, the Bible in other places, they screamed for fear. They shouted for fear. The Lord's going on to the other side. Once again, it was his will that they meet him on the other side. But he kept an eye on them. He may have not been in the boat with them, but he certainly was watching what was going on while they were on the sea as they were struggling to control the boat as it's on the wind, uh, as it's being blown by the waves. Verse number 27, please. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Here's those wonderful words. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. Now, Peter, God bless him. Peter goes, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come unto thee. In verse 28, Peter said, Lord, if it be, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee. On the water. Interesting. He said, on the water. Please remember, Peter's a fisherman. He knows the dangers and the reasons. And that reason would say you can't walk on water. And in a storm, if you could walk on water, this boat, which is made to be buoyant, is barely staying stable. And how can, Lord, if it's you, let, let, fine, let me come out there. And what does the Lord say to him? Verse one word. The Lord says unto him, come. Verse number 28. And Peter answered him, uh, sorry, and Peter answered him, and Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. Verse number 29. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship. And so here comes Peter. By the way, this is faith. I want to, this is where we start to get into the message. The wind is blowing. The winds are tossing it back and, uh, the, the, the ship back and forth. It's stirring up the waves. They're toiling, trying to keep the boat so they can go to the other side and obey the Lord's will. They see what they perceive to be a spirit. I don't think that he was walking slowly. He must have been going kind of fast because he made, up, he made it to them. And the Lord says, be not afraid, sigh. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And the Lord gives one word, come. Peter gets down. My question to you is, what is Peter's object of focus at this moment? Is it the wind? Is it the water? Is it the ship? Is, folk, is he focused on the storm? Peter's focused on the Lord. Peter is in the essence of faith. And your faith is only as strong as that thing that you put your trust in. You see, that's our problem. We get saved, it's... It's almost like God gives us an extra boost of energy zeal. And it seems like we can handle the problems. And the honest truth is, nothing in your life changed, but you put your, object on, you put your faith in something that was eternal. In this moment, Peter's focused on the right thing. And it's almost like the storm stopped. And in reality, the storm didn't stop. Nothing changed. Peter didn't. Uh, God didn't speak peace, be still, and the winds and the waves calmed down. The Lord allowed everything to go on. The difference was Peter's object was focus was one thing. So Peter walks on the water to Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith is it impossible to please him. For he that cometh, cometh to God, must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. Um, man, it's so wonderful when our eyes upon the Lord, when we're just focused on Him. 
We're not focused on somebody's attitude, what somebody else looks like, how we look. We're focused on what the Lord is doing and His will. We're not focused on the circumstances. We're not focused on the fear. It's, Lord, I, I let Lord, whatever you're leading me to, whatever it is, this challenge of faith, I'm going to keep my eyes on you. And it's like everything else stops. And in verse number 30, we find that Peter's challenge is our challenge many times. Verse number 30. And the Bible says, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried, Lord, save me. The Bible says when he saw, when Peter saw his predicament, the true circumstances, the fact that things look different out of the boat than they did in the boat. No longer are you in the safety of this thing that's buoyant. And yes, you may have the faith to say, Lord, if it, if it be, let me bid me to come unto you while you're in safety. We take that step of faith, we, we step forward, and, and, and then we actually see really what the circumstances are. The ship's up there, we're down here. Our safety, literally, we just left it because we stepped out on faith. And Christian, I want to encourage you and, and, and even help you with this. Your, 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 your number one focus in your life should be to please God in everything that you do, in your standards, in your ministry, in how you treat people. And what we say and what we think, we must please God. But when things look different outside the safety of the boat, he was afraid. When he was focused on the Lord, as it says in verse 27 and 28, sorry, 27 and 29, he was not afraid. The result is he began to sink and cried, Lord, save me. Maybe today or this year you've taken your eyes off the Lord and started to sink. Maybe your faith used to be strong, but like Peter you focused on the problem more than the solution. If things are fine when we keep our eyes on the Lord, and understand, Peter did walk on the water, and actually the Bible says he walked on the water when he was focused on the Lord. But we began to look around and actually felt the wind. He began to sink. Pastor Dozel, what I'm finding today is many Christians are sinking because they're looking at all their problems. How am I supposed to pay this bill? How am I supposed to make it back to college? How am I supposed to love her? How am I supposed to love him? What's happening to America? And we're so focused on the problems. And let me help us all. God was the same. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still God, whether President Trump gets in or, or, or if it's President Biden. He's still God. I can still get out of my bed and pray to the Lord. And if they say I can't, I will still. Why? Because he's still God. And Christian, we need to get back to the place where we keep our eyes on the Lord, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And we get so mixed up, so messed, trying to find our way in the darkness, we don't need to. We can call upon the Lord when our faith fails, as Peter did. Lord, save me. Jeremiah comments on his own experience in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 57, sorry, 54 to 57, where he says, waters overflowed my head. Then said I, then I said, I am cut off. I called upon the name, O Lord, out of the low dungeon, and thou hearst my voice. Hide not thine ear at my breathing, at my cry. Thou drewest near in the day that I called upon thee. Thou saidst, fear not. Psalm 116 says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he inclined his ear unto me, therefore, while I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me. The pains of hell got hold upon me. I found sorrow and trouble. 
Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, God, our God is merciful. As we look at verse number 30, Matthew chapter 14, it says, And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou little of faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And if we were to answer the Lord, if we were honest with him, he's like, I took my eyes off of you, Lord. All I had to do was keep my eyes on you. I got so busy looking at my circumstances, looking at the things that I cannot control. And if I would have just kept my eyes upon you, I wouldn't have slipped. You see, Christian backsliding happens when we take our eyes off of our Lord. We start taking on things and doing things that we know that is not pleasing to the Lord. But it doesn't care anymore. We don't really care. Why? Because we're focused on our brand, about our image. When I read in the Bible talking about somebody focusing on their brand and their image, it reminds me of Satan. Romans chapter 15, verse 1 and 2 says, Ye that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. And then the rest of that verse says that, and not to please yourselves. You see, we get so mixed up. We take our eyes off the Lord and we start to focus on ourselves. We start to please ourselves and we cannot bear the infirmities of the weak anymore. We are now the weak. There's something weird about this life. There's something weird about this thing that we have where it, it seems like we really think we're strong when, when we're doing what we want to do. But yet at the same time, when we're doing what we want to do, we're trying to figure out how to make things work. But as Paul said, when I am weak, then I am strong. And it's just this thing about as a Christian, as a child of God, when I lay myself in the Lord's hand and I rest upon him and I wait upon him and I said, Lord, I don't know how to handle this situation, but I'm going to keep my eyes upon you. I'm not going to turn to the left hand nor, nor to the right. I'm going to ponder the path of my feet. And I'm going to just keep walking and I'm going to stop when you tell me to stop and I'll go when you tell me to go. When I start to do that, when we start to do that, it seems like I have strength that is just enough to bear others. O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Now, I would rather have little faith than no faith. I'd rather be out the boat and say, Lord, save me, than be up there at the boat. Thomas over there doubting. Watch, this guy's about to, watch, he's about to, he's about to drown. <laughs> he thinks that ghost is going to save him? <sighs> John's up there, Lord, if you were up here, I'd lean upon your breast, but I'm not coming down there to do that. <laughs> we have this, the disciples were in the boat, all watching that's going on. The answer is simple. Lord, I looked at the problem and focused on that more than I did you. Verse number 32, though, is where the good stuff is. It says, and when they were come into the ship, ship the, the wind ceased. Sorry, verse number 31 and 32. And when they were come into the wind, sorry, and when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. One of the things that we overlook here is that the Lord walked back with Peter. Lord, help me. I'm already out here on faith, taking my eyes off of you and I'm sinking. The Bible says immediately the Lord was there to save him. They had to get back to the boat. I don't think Jesus carried him. There's something about faith. See, Peter took his eyes off the Lord, but the Lord was there to save him. And I believe they walked back together. I'm not sure how far it was, the walk was with Peter. It all, it, it, the Lord, I can see the Lord and Peter walking hand in hand. By the way, the storm didn't stop until they got into the boat. The storm was still raging. The situation was still going. But the difference was that the Lord was now with Peter, and Peter was walking on the water with the Lord. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he should not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Christian, you may have stepped out in faith. 
You may be struggling with your faith right now. Keep your eyes on the Lord. But if you are like many of us have taken your eyes off the Lord, call ye upon him while he is near. We have a God that is at hand and not afar off. We have a God that is ever present. He doesn't forsake us. We forsake him. And all we need to do is call upon him. And when he's there, humbly walk back with him. Don't, don't, get, don't get caught up in pride. Man, look what, mm, boy, I look good. And we stand these things in pride knowing it's the Lord has brought us from one point to the next point. And then finally, verse 33. And when they were in the ship, and they, then they that were in the ship came and worshiped him and saying, Ava, of a truth, thou art the son of God. Whenever we go through the storm with him, we will always end in worshiping him. And I will be bold enough to say that many don't fully worship him because they haven't weathered the storm with him. Stop quitting, Christian. Boy, it's, I thought everything was going to be great when I got saved. Or I didn't expect it to be like this at Bible college. Or it's just not working. It's not working the way I think it should work. So I'm done here. You need to weather the storm with him. That's the only way you will truly worship him. See, when you make it through the storm with him, when there's been tears, when there's been nights where you're just clinging on to the Lord and he makes you through, then you can truly worship him. We need to stop this soft, weak-hearted faith. Oh, God is good all the time. If God is good, then let him be good. Even in your tears, even in the times of uncertainty, David said, by the way, when David wrote these things, David was running for his life from Saul. And he was in a cave in Philistine. David said, what time? I'm afraid I'll trust in thee. David was going through the storm with the Lord and had to learn, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm fearful, but I'm going to trust in you. Whenever we go through the storm with him, we will always end up worshiping him. And many fully don't worship him because they're not going through with him. Our faith, the stronger faith, is built as God takes us through the refining fire and removes that dross, the extra stuff that really you don't need, that just tarnishes his beauty in you. So he takes you through troubles and trials and pain. I was telling pastor as we're in the office, nobody gets used by God that God has not touched. And when God touches them, they walk away with the limp. You spend time with the Lord, you want to be used by God, you're going to walk away with his mark on you. I don't like the process, but boy, do I love the fruit. It's weathering that storm with him. And Christian, I, I know I wasn't yelling and shouting and doing all that stuff tonight, but I do want to say this. If our faith is really, if we're going to worship him as we should, if we're going to continue our faith in the light and in the dark, we have to keep our eyes on the Lord. Let's stop being this surface Christianity. Psalm 139, when you get time, read it. David says, put thou my tears in thy bottle. I think it's Psalm 139. Maybe it's Psalm 56. Maybe it's Psalm 62. I don't know. It's one of those three Psalms. Uh, but the honest truth is what we need in our life. We need to keep our eyes on the Lord. And when you start to fail, don't forget, ever forget he's watching you. He'd have walked by them if they weren't screaming because they thought they saw a ghost. It was his will that they were on that ship. The pastor, I didn't expect this to happen in my life. Nobody does. But God's good in the darkness. He leadeth me through the valley of death. And something about the shepherd walking with us through the valley of death. But it starts off, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If we're going to be 
true Christians, if we're going to be what God, if you're going to have a strength to make it through, you've got to keep your eyes upon him. Let's pray, Pastor.